Hi guys, this is Alana Terry. You are tuned in to the Successful Writer Podcast, and I'm here with my own business and book marketing coach, Larissa Reynolds. Hi, how are you doing? How are you guys? So Larissa and I did a chat. I have no idea how long ago it was, but somewhere in the archives, we have a chat on the show where we were talking about why you need a business coach, where to find a business coach, options you can do if you're not to the point where you can actually pay a business coach. And today we're going to be shifting gears and talking about finding your ideal reader. So thanks for joining us. Oh, you're welcome. I always love to talk about the reader stuff. So that's, that's great fun. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and you're kind of the, um, what would we call you? We would call you like the ideal reader discovery guide or something. Cause I know you've helped, you've helped me right. and you've helped a lot of authors. And I know this is kind of for those who are in your kind of author mastermind, this is really the first fundamental step. It is. It is. So I call it reader discovery because I think it's kind of getting to know your reader, finding who your ideal reader is, not just who like who's reading your books, but who's buying your books. Cause sometimes mm -hmm. those things are different um, kind of things. So you know, it's, it's just, I think it's a kind of fundamental thing to understand who you're selling to. And once you mm -hmm. get it and everything kind of clicks in there, it, it makes everything else a whole lot easier to, when you can know who you're speaking to and, and right. why they're, why they're interested in your books. Right. Um, so I know your method is a little bit methodical. It's step-by-step -step. it's, you know, spreadsheets and things like that. It's, yeah. And it's could, pretty data driven. Yeah. I could see some people being like, well, I, I already, I already have a feeling for who my reader is. Why do I need to go any deeper than that? And what would your kind of response to that be? Well, I think, I think what's interesting to me and I've done this reader discovery process with well, uh, probably close to 200 authors now. Mm -hmm. And what's always interesting to me is, you know, people say, oh, well, isn't that what you mean by like genre readers? Like knowing that romance readers want happily ever after right. um, kind of things. That's just understanding your genre, right? But there's always nuances um, between, not just between genres, but between like all the little and I don't mean subgenre like the category on, on mm -hmm. Amazon, but mm -hmm. all the little variances, all the little flavors of that genre. There's nuances there, but there's also nuances from author to author. Yeah. Um, and so the, the example I like to give is, um, you know, I, I worked within just a couple of months of each other. I worked with two Christian fiction authors who were ranking, you know, pretty well in the exact same categories. Mm -hmm. Um, and from the look of just their covers and their blurbs, you would think, oh, these are exactly the same kind of books. But when we did the reader discovery work, we found a lot of variables. And one of the authors um, came back and she, we surveyed all of um, all the readers that she had available, had about 600 or so responses come back. Mm -hmm. And we're going through the data and they're saying all the things that you might expect from, from Christian fiction, you know, wanting Christian fiction, they want a good moral story with good moral values and, mm -hmm. um, you know, and they, in, in a good, uh, a good representation of faith. But then alongside that, I was working with this other author who had this, you know, similar her survey data came back and said the same thing, but where they were different is the first author we, we looked and realized what was missing is nowhere in her entire data set did readers ever mention the word Bible, and they very rarely mentioned the word God. Right. What they wanted was a sweet moral story mm -hmm. um, that, they, that they could rely on, whereas this other, the second author, her 
um, her reader language, her readers wanted scripture. They wanted biblical references. They mm -hmm. wanted, um, you know, they, it was, it was, they, you know, they were using the, the first author, their, her readers were reading because they wanted a satisfying um, Christian story for their own kind of fulfillment, right? For mm -hmm. their own up to uplift themselves. Right. And the second author, what it, what it boiled down to, and when we um, did the survey work and then we interviewed some people as well, what they wanted was, uh, and this shocked me because I didn't know this happened, that uh -huh. um, they wanted a Christian romance story that they could enjoy for themselves for some of the same reasons. But what they really wanted was something that was biblically based that they could give to someone mm -hmm. as uh, um, to young people as an example of a good Christian relationship mm -hmm. as a way to kind of evangelize. Right. So that is wildly different, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and in terms of what her, what those two sets of readers wanted, even though on the surface, the marketing looked the same. So what we were able to do with both of those authors is kind of tweak the marketing a little bit, tweak the language we were using, um, tweak how we handled their emails and blurbs and ad copy um, and all of those things to really dial in and kind of dive deep and to the readers that wanted those kinds of stories and say, Hey, over here, you know, we've got right. this for you. And then, you know, both authors saw a good uptick in, um, in their sales from that once, you know, once they, they were already selling well, but they saw a, mm -hmm. a good bump in, in sales after that. So yeah. that's kind of the, ex, the, the big obvious example I like to give mm -hmm. people is, mm -hmm. um, is that there are, there's nuances from reader to reader and, and author to author in, in your own writings. It doesn't have to change your writing style um, or your stories, but it might change how you talk about your stories. Right. Um, once right. you understand what readers are looking for. I think when people talk about, you know, knowing your ideal reader, a lot of people think that it kind of ends with knowing the kind of books to write. So if you know that your readers yeah. are looking for the happily ever after, then you better give them a yeah. happily after. But, right. And knowing well, what tropes are and things yeah, like that. So, I mean, yeah. I feel like that's like the top 0.1% of the iceberg. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, it's, I think it's way less about the kind of books you write and way more about how you market them. Like you, I feel like you could right. take the same book and those two audiences that you mentioned and uh -huh. market the same book in two totally different ways. You know, they're probably going right. to like to read it. Both audiences yeah. are going to like it, right. but they're going to like it for totally different reasons. Exactly. They're going to like it for different reasons. And like the, um, you know, just back to that kind of obvious example, the, the crowd that wanted, you know, just the, the, the good moral Christian story versus the scripture and kind of evangelizing an example of a Christian relationship that, you know, they were way happier and she was finding more like of her, I, I think, you know, we, I don't like the term super fans, but a lot of people call mm -hmm. them super fans, mm -hmm. right? You know, right. that, that, that she was able to attract more of her kind of diehard readers yeah. when they recognized, oh, this isn't just a story that I'm kind of going to like, this is a story I'm going to love. Right. Um, and, and to be able to, to pick that up from, from so there. Would you say maybe a decent place to start is to try to figure out what makes your readers kind of unique within the genre? Yeah, I mean, that's such a big amorphous term. I, th I think it's, um, in some ways, it's easier to sit down and think about what's the payoff, right? What, mm -hmm. what do I know about my readers and what's the, I call them emotional hooks, right? But you mm -hmm. think of it as the emotional payoff of when they close that last page, 
um, and you know, or swipe that last screen on their Kindle. Uh-huh. But what's the pay? What's their what satisfied them the most um, about that book? What what did they get out of it? Um, and then you can kind of start digging for that. And if you if you look for if you kind of ask yourself, okay, what's the emotional payoff for this reader? You can go back and look at like the replies you've gotten to your emails. You can go and look mm. at your social media posts, comments, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, you know, and look in your reviews or or reviews of books that are very similar to yours, mm-hmm. um, kind of thing, and and start to think, you know, what's what's the payoff there? What am I? What is what is the reader going to enjoy most about this book? Um, right. Kind of thing. Well, I know when when you and I went through the reader discovery work for my readers. So it started with a survey to my readers, and then we just we went deeper and deeper and deeper into the data. Yeah. Very data driven. Right. I I think one of my biggest takeaways was kind of that emotional hook. You know, what's mm-hmm. the reader going to get out of the story? And usually, it's not the story. You know, it's right. the experience of reading the story. And I know that impacted. I mean, I. I think I wasn't surprised that it impacted like the copy for my Facebook ads or things like that, but it even impacted the images I chose because I kept trying to find things that, so for example, if I was doing ads for, I have some multi-author romance bundles that I run Mm -hmm. ads for. And usually I'm like, okay, romance, let's find a couple, right? How easy is that? Mm -hmm. But after talking with you and focusing more on the emotional hook and what the reader gets out of it and then doing a lot of testing, um, mm-hmm. what I found was sometimes even better than like, here's a cute, young, beautiful looking couple was like, here's a picture of a woman reading in a cozy, like she's bundled up, she's got a blanket, she's yeah. in the fireplace, she's drinking her coffee. Right. So it's more of the reading experience and yeah. not the... And I think that's story. right. I mean, readers don't, you know, if you think about your own reading habits, a lot of times you know, we always, the, the, the excuse version of why do your readers read is, well, my readers read to escape. Mm-hmm. And every author I've started with says that, that when I ask them, why do your readers, right. my readers read to your skip. And I'm like, eh, no, that's mm-hmm. not really, that's not deep enough um, of an mm-hmm. example because, but you know, the, the shorthand version is that's true. They want, they want the experience. So if you can mm-hmm. convey in your emails and your advertising and, and all, all your marketing materials and remind them what it's going to feel like to sit down mm-hmm. with that book and to enjoy that story. Um, that's absolutely going to make it that much easier to sell and, and to sell it without having to rely on it's new. It's a launch. It's not right. even it's it's promotion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, th- those tools are useful, but that's not, you can't use them all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, from, from there that, you know, you, at some point you have to sell the story. I call it selling the read, right. That mm-hmm. you have to sell the reading experience, right. um, from, from that. And, and that, uh, that's, what's going to build a longer lasting readership for you and a more profitable readership, quite honestly, right. and, um, and, and people probably, that are going to stick with you. Right. Mm-hmm. And the more super fanny readers, you know, for lack yeah, of a better yeah. term. Mm-hmm. Right, right, exactly. The the readers that are going to be loyal to you, that are going to stick with you, that are going to be happy to pay full price, right? Um, that you know, kind of thing. So you're you're finding a, a way to to basically wave your flag and say, over here, I've got exactly what you want, um, and and to find yeah. those readers and get them to recognize you. Um, so do just, you find yeah? What are some of the misconceptions? Because I know some authors come in with a pretty good idea of who their ideal reader is. And I think I was in this camp, you know, the results kind of just were like, yeah, these were things I, I basically intuitively knew about my reader, but now uh-huh. I have an 
like on paper. But what right. are some, for the authors who are kind of surprised? What are some of the misconceptions people tend to? I think um, almost everyone is surprised by the demographics of their reader. They almost always they all I, I hear pretty frequently. Oh, my readers are a lot older than I thought they were. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and some of that might be genre, um, but mm -hmm. you know, because I tend to work with mystery romance, you know, mm -hmm. cozy, that kind of high, dreams, cozy, yeah. yeah, yeah, um, but the, you know, and thrillers and things like that, that are going to skew, co mm -hmm. you know, I don't work with very many young adult authors, um, mm -hmm. things like mm -hmm. that, but, but the, um, it's almost always people are, are surprised, um, and sometimes they're surprised by, I didn't know so many men were reading my books, or mm -hmm. um, I didn't, you know, I didn't know I had this gender split, or this age demographic is different than I expected, Mm -hmm. um, or they'll, it'll, it'll be things like, you know, um, you know, back to the first example, the, the author who had the readers that never mentioned the word Bible, right. um, in, in her Christian fiction, she's like, oh, well, that makes sense because I don't really write, I just write stories that are, mm -hmm. that are labeled Christian fiction because I want to just write sweet stories, right. um, that have good, good values. Um, and, and so that once, once it was kind of like, she knew that but mm -hmm. she hadn't really ever put a pin in it right. and realized, oh, I should double down on that. I should, you know, that it's not like it was a shock, it, you know, mm -hmm. and, and quite honestly, I don't ever want it to be a shock because that's another clue of, wait a minute, we might have something wrong in the data here. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so it's always kind of a, you know, well, I already knew that, but you know, the, the nuance of it. And then the other thing that we'll often do is kind of rank the emotional hooks and the tropes that are important. So mm -hmm. it might be that, so if you're writing, um, you know, urban fantasy or something like that, that if you're, that you're looking for, you know, you've got your top tropes, but what your readers really are important, you know, in, interested in is, you know, the strong heroine, the rest of the part, they can kind right. of take it or leave it. Mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. you know, every genre has its, you know, top four or five tropes of things that you quote have to include, mm -hmm. well, you know, for your specific readers that really only the, these two things are what's really important to them. That gives you some flexibility in the story to say, no, I, I kind of always wanted to try this. Well, as long as you keep those top couple of tropes satisfying for the reader, mm -hmm. maybe you have some more flexibility in what you can, can do with your story. Yeah. Um, and I love that so. flexibility just from the creative standpoint, because I feel like some people, they, um, you know, like, for example, I, I basically stopped reading, writing craft books, not yeah. necessarily as a rule, but what I found was I was doing so much self-censoring while I wrote that yeah. it was detrimental to the creative right. process. And so I can see right. some people be like, well, you know, Larissa, I don't want to dive into all of this because then I'm going to be second guessing yeah. everything I write, but yeah. focus on like that. This is, this impacts the marketing way more than the kind of books you write. Yeah. Yeah. Helps. So I tell, I mean, there is that, there is the kind of a, you can use this reader avatar and ideal reader, reader discovery work, all of that. You can use it kind of alongside a right to market kind of research, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but I always tend to tell people, you know, you don't have to change your story, write whatever right. you want to write. And then let's figure out how to talk about it differently mm -hmm. to attract the readers to it. So you, yeah. know, you don't have to change your story. You just have to change the way you talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. So I've gone through your step-by-step -step process and I know it's, <laughs> it's too many steps for us to go into now, yeah. but you kind of, for people right. who want to kind of start thinking about this, whether that's a reader poll or a reader survey, do you just have certain questions that you like to start with or... 
Um, I think you can, I think you can kind of, some of it you can kind of do organically, right? You can mm -hmm. just sort of sit down and put your thinking hat cap on and just try and put, you know, the, the whole reason we do this ideal reader and, and reader profile work is so you can more easily step into your reader's shoes. So mm -hmm. when you're talking about marketing, you know, do that. So step into your reader's shoes and say, okay, well, what emotional payoff am I getting from this book mm -hmm. um, or this series? Um, you can do some simple things like, you know, check your Facebook profile, um, your Facebook pages for where your demographics are falling mm -hmm. um, and ages and, and genders and, you know, with the Facebook insights and things and check, um, you know, check, you can kind of spot check and usually guess at, um, in, in review, if you have enough, like a big stack of reviews, you can mm -hmm. kind of go through and sometimes you can say, Oh, a lot of these people are mentioning that they're grandparents or that, you know, they right. have small children or so mm -hmm. you can look for clues like that lifestyle clues, mm -hmm. um, about the readers to try and just piece together a, a profile and start jotting it down. And then as you hear from readers and, and think about things, um, you can kind of build that profile over time and modify over time so that you end up, what you want to end up with is, a reader profile that's one person, right? One ideal person who is sort of fictional, but real at the same time. Um, so that when you're sitting down to write emails or write ad copy or blurbs or anything like that, you can say, you know, what would Sue think about this? You know, what, what right. would, would this get her attention mm -hmm. and make her sit and say, Oh, I really, I, I really have to have that book. I'm going to love that story. Um, yeah. I love the idea of narrowing it down to one person because I've, I've seen how well that works. But for somebody who is resistant, I can see the argument being, well, you know, my books are for a lot of different kind of people. How would you sort of address that? Well, you know, everybody likes to feel special. And if you could talk <laughs> to one person, um, uh -huh. that's always easier than talking to a crowd. Yeah. Uh, I just, you know, it, it's, if your books are for everyone, they're also for no one special, mm -hmm. right? So, yeah. you know, and it might be every once in a while, I do work with an author who ends up with really, truly two distinct reader profiles mm -hmm. of different kinds of people who are enjoying the mm -hmm. same book. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, everybody has one, right? And that doesn't yeah. mean you're marketing to one person. It means you're speaking to the people who are most likely to, um, to resonate, who, who are most yeah. resonate with your work. Okay. Yeah. And I think that, you know, for someone, especially I remember when I was doing Facebook ads at the very beginning, it felt bad narrowing the audience because I'm like, mm -hmm. well, I might be, you know, okay, so if 20% of my readers are male and I'm only targeting females, I'm losing, you know, but I feel like I've seen. With well, the, but the yeah, I mean, the reality though, you can always go back and add profiles. Right. Like, so say if 20% mm -hmm. of your audience is male and 80% is female, well, go for the low hanging fruit first, right? right. Go for that 80%, get that nailed, get that mm -hmm. messaging worked out where it's mm -hmm. working. And then if you feel like you've maxed out, and I don't know anyone who has maxed out their ideal readership, right? But exactly. if you do, Mm -hmm. um, if you do, then you go back and say, okay, well, let me plan a separate marketing campaign just targeted to the men, right? right. Or just targeted to this, this reader that I know is over here. That's a smaller percentage of people who enjoy my books, but I know they're here. I don't want to leave them out. Well then plan a marketing strategy that is just for them. 
yeah. um, to, to get, to, to bring those in. That's, I mean, that's a good way to kind of expand your audience, but mm-hmm. almost every author I work with has not tapped out their primary audience. Oh, for sure. I think um, having that abundance mindset helps so much. You know, I look yeah. at Facebook as a source of infinite readership. So I'm not, it yeah, is. I'm not saying, oh no, I ran this ad two months ago. The same people are going to see it. It's not, they're right. always bringing in it's new not. people. And, right, um, right. And just because you narrow down to one ideal reader now, I mean, you're, that's who you're going to speak to for now. That's not going to, you know, and, and it's mm-hmm. your primary, you're, you can always add more later. Um, right. But if you try to speak to everyone, it's like, you know, if you stand up in a, and speak to a crowded room, only some with an announcement about, you know, what's, what's at the potluck after church, right? You know, only half the people care about corn (laughs) and some of them don't care that there's lasagna or what, you know, whatever that they're going to hear one part of it and it's not relevant to them. So they can tune it out. Um, so if you get to what's relevant to each person first, then, um, then you'll, that helps you kind of get their attention and to follow through with the rest of it. Yeah, and maybe move away from kind of that billboard advertising, you know, where you're just throwing yeah. something out there. But yeah, we have it, so many. Know. Go ahead. Well, we have so many tools now with digital media and and digital advertising and Facebook and things. Mm-hmm. You don't have to just slap up a generic ad yeah. in the back of a magazine or a billboard mm-hmm. or things. We can speak to people, and I think readers expect that. I mean, we all have our level of kind of market sophistication. Um, and there's a lot of research on, on this as well, different levels of marketplace sophistication. Mm-hmm. But most readers now, especially even compared to, you know, four or five years from now, they're pretty savvy, right? They know, they know the, the deal, you know, whereas it used to be a novelty to sign up for a mailing list to get a free book. Right. They kind of know how that works now, right? Mm-hmm. That's not new anymore. The, the marketplace has evolved. And I think um, from all of the, even though, you know, people complain about the privacy issues and things like that and, and the retargeting and, and sometimes it feels a little weird to be on the receiving end of, you know, how I, mm-hmm. I looked at that thing on Amazon and now that product is following me right. around the web, right? Yeah. That feels a little weird. But on the other hand, it's pretty handy, right? To have mm-hmm. that reminder. It's pretty convenient to it have is. messaging that's targeted, ex- you know, personally to me, to the things that I'm mm-hmm. interested in. So you're kind of following that without being weird and creepy. Right, right. Um, you know, you're following that, you know, personalized marketing expectation that the, that the readers, you know, reader marketplace has mm-hmm. from, from that. So of, of being able yeah. to speak to one person. Right. No, I think that's awesome. And what about when you're serving readers? Because I know that's a big part of the process. If somebody wanted to do like a poll in their Facebook group or just send one or two questions, even if it's not like a full-blown survey. Yeah, yeah. What are some of the questions that kind of that you can ask your audience that helps them create this ideal reader in their mind? Um, I think the uh, I think interestingly, one of the questions you can ask is what they don't like. Um, mm-hmm. you know, what do you, what's your, what, what annoys you the most about, um, you know, my subgenre, what, what annoys you the most about Christian suspense stories? Mm-hmm. Sometimes you'll get people that will just flood answers to you. Right. Yeah. And then you can kind of reverse engineer and realize, okay, cause usually people will start by telling me what bugs them, mm-hmm. but then they'll transition into saying what I really want is right. Such and such. right. I mean, if you ask somebody, what do you love about Disneyland? They'll be like, well, you know, it's fun. Yeah, you don't. And they can't really come up with anything specific. Uh But if you say, "What bugs you the most about Disneyland?" Well, it's the lines, and I hate the popcorn, and you know, (laughs) you know, (laughs) that's a really good way to look at it. 
-hmm. Yeah. So you can kind of, you know, and I would say, unless you're doing a formal survey, I would probably not bombard them with a bunch of questions at once. So maybe, you know, do a poll of, of, um, you know, what do you enjoy most? What do you hate the most? You know, or, you Mm -hmm. know, kind of thing. You could also do, um, how did you hear about me sometimes, you know, or instead of just saying like a multiple choice, how did you hear about me? Start a post that says, how did you, you know, tell me the story about how you first um, encountered my books. Mm, so mm-hmm. what you're, you're wanting is like a narrative, right? Yeah. Because what you really, what you really want to dive into here is not just a tick box of how old right, are you and right. things like that. You want a narrative to be able to find out mm. if all of your replies come back and they say, well, I downloaded it from a free book. Um, and I love it because now I get all your books for free. Well, that's going to tell you that you probably don't need to listen <laughs> to that readership. Right. Right. But if they said, you know, I tried a book, I tried one of your free books. I love it so much because of blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. I went on and bought the rest of the series. Yeah. That's something you can pay attention to and, and kind of dissect it. Mm-hmm. You just have to kind of, I think, I think uh, even though it's more work, the more narrative responses you can get mm-hmm. and then be able to look at and be thoughtful about yeah. um, of what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, then, then the, the better off you are and the easier you can kind of start to get a feel for what your reader looks like. That's awesome. There. Yeah. Well, I know it's been super helpful for me, you know, especially from the marketing side, you know, yeah. I think right. most of us go into this saying, okay, knowing my ideal reader is going to help me write better books, but it's so much more about the marketing. Yeah, it is totally. Yeah. Because you can, once you know your reader and what kind of things are important to them, you know, what kind of things to talk about in your emails, you know, what mm-hmm, kind of things to mm-hmm. mention in your blurbs right up top yeah. above that fold. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what kind of ad copy and ad hooks are going to resonate and, yeah. uh, and things like that without having to change your story. Right. Um, I surveyed my newsletter at the end of um, this past year. And one of the questions was, what kind of emails do you like hearing the most from me? You know, because I've, mm-hmm. I've got a big, big backlist and you've helped me a ton in getting that set up of emails. And, right. you know, so in general, people are hearing from me, you know, multiple times a month and mm-hmm. the emails vary in tone. And it was so funny because the top the top three choices that they selected, none of them had to do with the books. You know, they liked Alaska uh-huh. stories. You're in Alaska right. too. They really liked right, hearing right. about Alaska because it's unique. Yeah, and, it's different. Yeah, and they liked the um, kind of the inspirational kinds of posts. Uh-huh. And then uh-huh. they liked, you know, just funny stories. You know, like I talk yeah. a lot in my email list about like, I'm terrified of fish. And people are like, wow, that's right. weird and strange. Right, because <laughs> <Right, laughs> you live in a fishing place, right? Yeah, yeah. So, and, yeah. But it was so funny because the other choices were things like, you know, excerpts of my books or the story uh-huh. behind my books. Or well, yeah, but you can think about, you can even think about what that means, though, is why would they be interested in Alaska stories? Well, they're interested in Alaska stories because it's different. It's mm-hmm. novel. Yeah. It is kind of being transported to a completely different world. Mm-hmm. So, okay, mm-hmm. how do I take the knowledge that they like to be armchair travelers? Yeah. How do I take that and use that to talk about? anything in my books, right? Mm -hmm. And I know they have an interest in that kind of visiting, you know, quote, exotic, I don't call it exotic kind of of things. So that still tells you, um, that's, that's still a clue of, Mm -hmm. of, okay, I know they like hearing about me in Alaska, but you know, that they, I can also translate that to say, well, okay, so maybe if I, put the spin on talking about the setting and the atmosphere and things like that about this upcoming mm-hmm. book that that's going to build to them as well for sure so, you know, 
those kind of things are still clues, even though, you know, uh, it seems like, oh, well, they want to hear more about me. Not really. They want to hear stories from you, right? right. It was they very story driven. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Very story driven kind of thing. So yeah. You know, or, or things like they like funny stories. Well, they, you know, what's a funny scene? What's a humorous scene from a book mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. you're promoting kind of thing? Right. Like right. That. Yeah, it's been really fun kind of tying those in like so when something goofy happens around the house or you know, like we have the quintessential yeah. Alaska moment, which I know <laughs> you've right, had some right. like when the you were yeah. on a coaching call and the coyotes came to your backyard. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was on a call and, and there's like gunfire in the background and it's my husband chasing up coyotes, you know. And I'm like, okay, that was nice. Yeah. So, yeah. Mastermind and yeah, you didn't feel it here, but where you were you're like, oh gotta go guys earthquake and you just yeah video running and we just kind of waited for right, you to... like, okay so come back nothing's falling down yet so, so when yeah. I have like these quintessential just funny mom moments or you know like strange Alaska moments that's my question is mm-hmm. how can I somehow loosely tie this into yeah. talking about one of my books you know and that's probably right. going to be like the two sentences tucked in at the right. end because like exactly. you said, with the um, kind of maturation and the, the savvy ship, if that's a word of uh-huh. readers now, like they, they're used to getting emails saying, here's a new book, you should buy it. Yeah. You know, right, and right. so they want something can... a little different. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Awesome. Right. Do you have any kind of last um, tidbits for us or pearls of wisdom regarding sort of creating that ideal reader? Um. I, I think it's just, I think it's important to realize it's a process um, and I don't think it's ever done. I mean, you, you create yeah. your reader profile and you can kind of get through it faster with the kind of data driven kind of approach, but you can also, um, you know, once you have it, you need to kind of revisit it. And I, I, I would say also, if you're going to go to the trouble to, to think about your ideal reader, then actually use it, um, use right. that, you know, so mm-hmm. I have a little one pager that when I sit down to write an email, I think, okay, you know what I'm going to, I'm going to write this email or this ad copy or whatever it is to Mm -hmm. speak to this person. Um, And I have one person in mind as opposed to sitting down and saying, Oh, I'm going to write an email to my list. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. um, Kind of thing is is to actually use that information. So, yeah, I do something similar before I write a blurb for my book. I picture myself at a coffee shop and my ideal Mm -hmm. reader is telling somebody else why they've got to read this specific book and then you know like I'll usually even jot down some of the phrases and try to work those Uh somehow into the blurb it's really helpful yeah yeah I think being kind of using your you know and we're all you know writers we're skilled at character development really it's just another character development process it just happens to be um, for your marketing you know think really kind of fleshing out making that person seem real Mm -hmm. um, to you Mm -hmm. so that you can kind of quickly grab onto that, you know, intuitive part of who you need to speak to yeah. um, from there. So yeah. that's awesome. So mm-hmm. tell us uh, before we wrap up a little bit about if people wants to work with you, because I know the, the reader discovery work, like I said, it's, it's something that I kind of had an intuitive feel for, but actually mm-hmm. seeing all the data was so helpful. So if someone wants to go yeah. deeper with you, where would they start? Um, the, the best place to start is to go to authorlistlab.com and join the mailing list and um, get on get on the email list and kind of see kind of what things are all about. Um, and when you get on the list, there'll be some links of how to schedule time with me. I do um, free coaching calls for, you know, for, uh, one coaching call, you know, for every sign up um, mm-hmm. for anyone that wants to take advantage of it. So um, you can, can book some time and we can talk about kind of 
what your situation is. And if I can point you in a direction to, to go on your own, that's awesome. If it's something that we kind of decide it makes sense to dive in together with a, a little mm -hmm. deeper, we can talk about mm -hmm. that too. But, um, you know, that's, I would say go to authorlistlab.com and sign awesome. up there and then, and then reach out to me and let me know what you think or what you'd like to pursue from there. Yeah. So. Well, thank you so much, not only for kind You're of welcome. all the info today, but just for all the help for years now. <laughs> you, uh, yeah. I appreciate it so much. And yeah, definitely oh, I love encourage it. people listening. Yeah. To, to check yeah. that out. And I, love, I just will give you kudos too. Of, I love seeing the kind of evolution of your own business and, you know, being so willing to dive in and experiment with things and to adapt mm -hmm. and, and learn from things. So I, I'm just so totally pleased that how your business is taking Yeah, off. well, it's really fun. Oh, like, I remember so. our very first call when I signed up for that free coaching call. It was, mm -hmm. do you think I should move from MailChimp to ConvertKit? And that just feels forever ago. <laughs> it does. It does. So, yeah, it does. Awesome. It does. It's such a, yeah, it's a joy. So that's good. Well, thanks again okay, to thank you, you, Marissa. And again, if no you're listening and want to go to authorlistlab.com, highly encourage that. And we will talk to you guys okay. next time. Thank you so much. Yep. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah. Bye-bye.